On Inside the Ropes this week, a huge week for Australian golf, and we're blessed to catch up with two of the major protagonists, Curtis Luck and Minji Lee to join us, and all the other news from around the world, including a new boss for Golf Australia. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. Make sure you do all of that. Great to have you with us for episode number 178 of Inside the Ropes. What a week. What a week it was. What a week it could have been for Australian golf. It was a, it was a stellar week nonetheless, and there's a load to get through today. Joined by two of the great protagonists uh, out there on the global stage flying the Australian flag this week, Minji Lee and Curtis Luck, to join us on a huge episode of the show. Great to have Mark Hayes with us, who... Hazy, at one stage there, it looked like we were going to have winners on tours left, right and centre across the weekend. <laughs> yeah, it really did, Andy, but uh, I'm still thinking it's a was rather than a what could have been because um, when yeah. we get one win, um, that's something to, you know, in a, we've had so many wins this year. Uh, we're punching so far above our weight in such a s- small season that um, Curtis Luck is probably... Um, carried the can for the others. There's no disappointment in what Cam Davis or Min Ji Lee did. It was just that it could have, would have, should have been a, you know, just one of those epic weekends in Australian sport, let alone golf. But uh, we'll take what we got. That was a pretty good result. First on the Corn Ferry Tour and third in the uh, Women's Open Championship at Troon. It was pretty special. I've been trying to tell you for a while, hashtag Golden Era. Uh, there's, there's, it's all happening. And we've got a couple of the old boys that are in the mix as we go to air. I haven't checked the leaderboard for about 20 minutes, but uh, the Charles Schwab series events on at the moment. Phil Mickelson making his debut in the over 50s. Of course, hasn't progressed in the FedEx Cup Plus, which we'll have a chat about a bit later on. What a nonsense they really and truly are. Um, we'll have a chat about them in a moment. But uh, he's making a debut and was three up um, leading that event. But we had Dave McKenzie and um, Rod Pampling well and truly in the mix when I at last had a look. So by the time you're listening to this, those numbers will be in and the tournament could be finished if you're listening to us on a podcast. So the good role continues. Um, Curtis is going to join us in a minute, so, so let's not waste too much of our time talking about him now, but not that it's a waste of our time, by the way, but um, it might be a bit embarrassing singing his praises uh, when he's in front of us, so, so let's do a bit of it now. He by no means played his best golf on that final round, Hazy. He's got, he's got much lower rounds and, and much more pure golf to play than he played just in terms of scoring in his, in his career. But his ability to dig in when he had to and make something happen, make, and this is the, this is so crucial. I reckon this is what defines, this is what separates players from you know, good players to, to greater. Reckon. The ones who can find it when they have to. And Curtis like found it when he had to at least three times from the, 15th to the wire um, in that on that Sunday. It was it was a really gutsy performance by him, I reckon. It really was. And I'm, we'll ask him in a couple of minutes because he's still a work in progress in terms of his swing because he's smart enough to realise that there were some shortcomings from his first little uh, exposure, I guess, to the PGA Tour a couple of years ago that he couldn't win on a consistent basis or contend without making some changes. So he's done this... Uh, mid midstream too, Andy, and that points absolutely to what you're suggesting that it's a mental thing as well as a physical. So we remember back to when he won the USAM, and you know he was copping punches left, right, and centre all the way through that, and then somehow found a way to 
to play some of the most exquisite shots that tournament's seen in in the modern era uh, when it mm. mattered most. And mm. honestly, his his round uh, to the point of the final hole or to the final three holes, perhaps, was you know rather than forgettable. But he yep. found a couple of late birdies, then finds himself in the bunker on the 18th hole, the 72nd hole, with his playing partner one shot behind him with a birdie partner. He's got to get up and down to have any chance here. And he did it. And it was so pure. The putt was curling. And he was, for someone who's largely um, contained, he was pretty euphoric in the fist pump. He knew exactly what it meant. It was awesome. The, sh- the look on his face, I, I wonder whether he's uh, watched it back. I, I-, I want to ask him, it might be an old, but when he's when he's tracking the ball on 15, you could see there was tension on his face, but there was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was an aggressive, um, I'm not quite sure how to explain it really, but it was a, there was a force of will about the way he kind of made things happen. That, that uh, look, uh, maybe as a somebody who tries to tell a story rather than live the experience. You can add a bit of mayo to these things and often you can get it wrong. But there was something about 15, 16 and 18 that was just uh, very, very impressive. Very impressive. And, we'll, um, as, well, we'll get yeah. the chance to, to ask him about yeah, it, which is um, phenomenal because, you, you know, it'd be nothing better to get his point of view because I'm sure he'll know what you're talking about. And I'd, Andy, I just think also before we move on from Curtis and touch on the other things, He's probably, knowingly or not, bearing the weight of so many near misses from his compatriots on the Corn Ferry Tour in this past few months because we've been there a couple of times with, um, to a lesser extent, Jamie Arnold, but definitely with Ryan Ruffles and Brett Coletta. And um, we've made note of it that something was coming. We didn't know it was last week, but there it was. And we didn't know it was Curtis yeah. Luck, but there it was. And I, I think he's so tied in with Coletta and, and Ruffles um, that he knows exactly the, the problems that they've had getting over the line. So for him to show the way, I think, was pretty epic. Um, okay, so so that's Curtis. We'll, we'll speak to him in a moment. How much how much had you, had you known about Sophia Popov? And be honest with me, how much had you known about her before, before the weekend? Uh, I'd seen a couple of posts from USC talking about um, because I'd followed USC on social media to keep tabs on on Gabby Ruffles' exploits during the NCAA seasons, um, but honestly, bugger all, Andy. I, I I knew next to nothing about her. I knew that she spoke English, that she represented Germany, but had spent a lot of time in the US, and that was where it stopped. Unbelievable story. These are as much as we were, you know, staying up late, and I probably pulled it in at about one thirty when I thought, well, that's it. Oh, I don't think she's going to get the job done here. We're all, you know, flying the flag for for Minji Lee. Uh, these are unbelievable sporting stories. You know, everybody knows the backstory now about you know the world ranking of plus three hundred. You know, the fact that a month before this tournament she was caddying in an event for another player, she couldn't get a start in the event herself. That back in April this year, she was playing on a tiny, tiny tour in Arizona and winning a couple of events there, pocketing a check of about $2,500 in one of those events. And here she was, but for the opening drive on Sunday, Monday morning out or Sunday night our time, which she just hit that big sort of roping draw probably a bit too well, found that fairway pot and made the bogey up one. She just... She played magnificent goals. She again, she made birdies when she had to. She stared down the oncoming tide. 
um, of challenges, and she just prevailed like a very, very good player. I'll, I'll be absolutely shocked. I'm not going to say we won't, but I'll be absolutely shocked if this is the last we hear of, of Sofia Popov. Yeah, it's another thing to win another major, but absolutely agree. She'll be thereabouts now, and that confidence surge she got will be, you know, life-changing. Whether she plays golf or not, she may never play, but she'll take that feeling, I think, into the rest mm. of her life with, you know, great expectation. Her, one of the things, Andy, about what she did was she had, if you look back at it, Jasmine Sawanapura has played just exemplary golf. Fantastic. Minji yeah. Lee, one of the great players on the planet, was chasing her and barely made a mistake. Imbi Park was coming at her. You know, yeah. these are the these are the names you fear coming at you when you've got a lead in a major championship, I would imagine. No bo- no bogeys in the third round. And as you mentioned, un- an unlucky one on the first and then a almost a planned one up the last. She did everything that we urged John Vandervelde to do uh, yep. at yes. Carnoustie. Like she just took all the big numbers off the cards. The five was just a result of not losing the tournament. She could have made a par there easily, comfortably, I'm sure. But uh, two bogeys in 36 holes under that pump was unbelievable. I will say, Andy, that I do think that no no crowd factor worked well in her favour. There was no sort of tension building up around her. But, you know, I'd rather be playing in front of crowds with choppers chasing me than no crowds at Inby Park and Minji Lee and Jasmine Sawanapura coming at me because that I mean she could have looked back at that leaderboard at any stage and gone oh my god what am I doing here um, Andy I'll just say she's $108,000 she had US in the entire career to that point incredible. on the LPGA and Symmetra Tours and she pockets over 650000 US in one fell swoop um, it's life changing on so many levels but when you've been battling around um, you know the the uh, the tours that you mentioned, you know, the Cactus, Cactus Tour, the Symmetra Tour, um, just, you know, what a, what an achievement. I, and we'll talk to Minji later about this. I, she, I'm sure, will be full of praise for the way that um, Sophia Popov got it over the line under yeah. under that sort of pressure. That was just awesome. But but for the um, but for the treatment that women's sport gets in the global conversation about sport, uh, this should be right up there as one of the great sports stories of 2020. It probably won't be. It'll probably get diminished because the natural um, you know, inclination and reflex is to put men's achievements in the world of sport above women's, and that's just the way it is for the time being. But this story should be right there. It doesn't happen on our show. I hope people would concede that. But um, this should be one of the great sports stories of the year. Well, we might talk about the um, FedEx Cup in our fourth segment, Andy, today, because we better get to Curtis in a second. But yep, yep. Um, the fact that Dustin Johnson was doing something, you know, historically stupid at the same time, played against what Sofia Popov was doing. But in terms of a sporting story, it's very hard to go past it. And and I think also, Andy, it was the in some ways um, playing at Troon um, is helping to be the making of that tournament. Now that they've got the traditional open rotor courses mixed in with yeah. some of the parkland courses, um, that whole, that tournament and what the RNA and the LPGA and the LET did to get it up um, in the middle of the crisis we're all enduring was next level. 
um, to get them over there to play it safely. Um, makes you sort of question why it didn't happen on the men's side, but that's another story. Uh, but I, I, you know, full of praise for the tournament and the stories, stories that it threw up are just next level, as you say. But uh, we'll come back and we'll focus on the on the Dustin Johnson thing a little bit later, if that's all right with you. We will indeed. We'll get to all of that a bit later on. Curtis, like standing by, ready to join us on Inside the Rope. So we'll clear that X and come back with uh, talk about life-changing um, performances across the weekend. This is a pretty significant one for the young fella out of Perth. He's going to join us on the show next. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Uh, great to have you with us. We are talking about Curtis like in the first segment of the show and We've been badgering him from all corners of our great nation over here in Australia, trying to get him to come on the show this week, and uh, we are delighted that he's gone. Oh, bugger these blokes. I'll, I'll just give them 10 minutes of my time, and they can stop sending me text messages. He's joined us on Inside the Ropes after a pretty seismic week for him on the Corn Ferry Tour. Hey, Curtis, thanks for joining us on the show, mate. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, fellas. It's my pleasure. Well, what what a what a win! We were having a chat about it in the first segment, and and it's a different type of win. You know, you'll you'll win you know plenty of tournaments you know around the world, fingers crossed, and hopefully you know you do it freewheeling and playing the sort of golf that you you want to play. But when you play the sort of golf that you have to play to to get a result, I can only imagine that that is a from a sense of achievement, you you, you get something pretty special out of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was obviously on Sunday, like a, a really grueling challenge for me, um, almost from the get-go. I started off like quite slow, but it is one of those golf courses where pars are good. I think like the, the scores prove that in the end. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of two-putt pars to, to begin the day, and I just wasn't hitting it quite the same as I had been all week. So I... Uh, had a few little rough stretches in amongst that first probably 14 holes, but, yeah, managed to stick with it just enough that a couple of good holes down the last few were, were good enough to uh, come out with the wind. We'll get to those last few in a moment, but but we, we all under, we, we think we understand what this tour represents to, to all the players who are on it. You know, we, we know that you know, the pressure that comes with it and what you're striving to achieve, it's a, it's a gateway to... You know, greener pastures. When you got to the first tee on Sunday, was a bit of that weighing on your mind, or, or were you? Could you be clear-headed going into that final round? Um, you know what? I was actually really calm um, almost the entire day. It's it's funny. Uh, this is a golf course that we've played uh, the last three years, so I'm really familiar with it. I've played really well out there. And uh, just knowing that, like, gave me a really, um, I don't know, I just, I felt like this year it was my tournament to win. Like, I shot three under on the first round, and um, I spoke to my dad that night, and I kind of said to dad, I said, look, this is this is the week. Like, I love this golf course. I, I mean, I wasn't on the top of the leaderboard, but I was definitely, you know, well placed. And I said, I think this is the week that I'm going to do it, because I just... There's something about this golf course that reminds me of back home. They're bent greens. They're, they're always firm. Um, you've got to play the angles. So, yeah, I, I was actually surprisingly calm going into Sunday and, and through the most part of Sunday. Can you, do you think you can bottle that feeling, Curtis? Do you think you can look back now, sense what it was before it happened and, and be able to recapture that at some future point? 
I mean, hopefully, it's. I've I've been in that uh, position before, but it's been for different reasons. Um, like I kind of I think back to 2016 when I was playing, and um, things were obviously very different because I was an amateur and I was playing amateur golf, and there are a lot of different things that come with that. But one thing that was really easy that year was I was hitting it a, a lot better than I have been these past couple and so there were definitely weeks where I rolled into the week knowing I was hitting it well and and just sort of backing myself because I've, I've always had a pretty sharp short game so I don't have to hit it fantastic to be competitive if I hit it good I'm competitive um, so I definitely have had that feeling in the past. This was probably for different reasons, but um, I'm making a lot of changes and I'm still working on them. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to bottle up that same feeling I had in 2016 where it's just relying on more so my good play than, than knowing the course and feeling good about the course. So I mentioned that in the first segment too, um, and before we get back to the specifics of your, your final round here, uh, that you are working on something new to make your game bigger and better, and it's not first nature yet to you, is it? It's it's still a work in progress. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been a very frustrating. Uh, I mean, it's been a very frustrating, probably almost two years, but but particularly the last ten months have been really frustrating. Um, I. As soon as we finished last year at the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, I underwent some swing changes with my coach Craig Bishop, and uh, and look, like I know that the tough thing is I know they're the right changes, so it kind of doesn't matter how hard it is or how bad it is at the time. Like I know that they're going to make me a better golfer. Um, it's just taking a lot longer than I originally thought or hoped. Um, it's a it's an amazing thing when you, you get out on the golf course and you're put back under the pump, like where things go. You know, I can stand on the range, tournament week in, week out, at home in Orlando. I can I can basically do the swing changes perfectly on the range now, and you'd think I'm, yeah, you'd think I don't have a concern. But as soon as you throw me on the golf course and especially with a little bit of pressure, it's amazing what like happens and, and it seems to revert back to old sort of muscle memory and of, of the way I used to swing it, which is frustrating. Um, it's, uh, I'm hoping that that gap between the range and the, the course is getting smaller and smaller over time. Can I ask you a question? I'm fascinated by that. So you t- take us back to the end of the tour last year. Do you do you say to Craig, I, I want to make change. This is what I think I have to do to be better. And how do you get me there? Or does he say to you, I think you need to do this? To, who initiates the change? Um, so obviously, playing PGA Tour level golf and golf courses, uh, you pretty quickly find out your weaknesses and and where you lack compared to the guys that are doing well week in week out. Um, one thing I always admire about Craig and I always, like, I pretty much tell everyone is, you know, his, his biggest thing to me early was he basically, in a sense, wanted to coach himself out of a job. And I think that's his biggest asset as a coach. He does such a good job of teaching all his players the method um, whilst he's obviously helping us get better. 
that I think most of his players and, and I know for myself, like I'm already in the right mindset of what's coming next. Um, mm-hmm. So at the end of last year, I could see and feel while I was playing what was going wrong. And I, I said to him, like, we've got to do this, this and this. And he was like, yep, you sure do. Let's like get after it. So we, yeah, started making those changes together and I was home for a couple of months at the end of last year so I got to see him. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm very confident that they are the right changes. It's just, uh, it's going to take some time. So let's get back to Sunday. You're, you're standing on the 15th tee and I think at that stage you're probably two back. You know, time's running out. Yeah. What are you thinking? Are you are you uh do you know where you're at? I don't know how many short how many, not sure how many leaderboards there were around the place. Did did you have a real sense of where you sat in the tournament, what you had to do? Yeah, well fortunately this is one of the first weeks we've had where we've had a few leaderboards out there. So we had one sort of every three holes. Um, which was really nice because uh, the last few weeks has been odd playing without leaderboards and you sort of got to check your phone. You're allowed to check your phone for scoring. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of knew where I stood. I knew the, the lead was kind of 11 to 10-ish the whole day and it wasn't going to move that much because every year the, the scores are between 9 and 12 under. Um, so... Yeah, I got to uh, 13 and saw that I think one player was on 10. Actually, multiple players were on 10. Um, but there are definitely some birdie chances in the last few holes. So in my mind, I guess I'd probably assumed it was going to get to 11. Um, so, yeah, for me it was like you've got to attack and, and actually do something here because if you don't, you're not going to win this golf tournament. So I actually... <laughs> pulled out driver on 15 where I originally hadn't planned on it. So I was talking to Hazy earlier, Curtis, and this is where my stupidity as a sports fan comes into play here. There's a, there's a great <laughs> close-up. I don't know whether you've watched the TV coverage back. There's a great close-up of you as, you've, as you're watching your ball, your second shot into 15 sort of fly towards the pin, and you, you, clearly you, it looks like you feel like you've hit it pretty well and it's tracking pretty well. And the look on your face was... Was really uh, I'm not, I really still don't quite know how to explain it, but there was a there was a, an aggressive come on. There was a gritting of the kind of. Did have you watched the replay back? And have you, do you know what I'm talking? Do you recognise the face that I'm talking about as you watch that ball fly towards the the pin? Um, so I, I haven't watched it, but I kind of know what you're talking about because I would say I'm not like. I'm very good after my round at, at letting things go and, and taking a breath and being able to step away from golf. But on the golf course, I'm definitely um, a player that gets frustrated and, and angry, no doubt. Um, I'm pretty good at letting that go on the course, but you'll you'll see my emotions. So I think at that point in the round, I was obviously quite frustrated with how things are going and I was basically desperate for things to start turning around in a positive way um so you probably can see a little bit of frustration in the face probably can see me like quite aggressively being so invested in the shot um yes i would imagine that's exactly exactly what it was that's exactly what it was it's exactly what it was so so you step up and and what happens on 15 and 16 happens i mean that the the part on 16 was was you know magnificent when you get when you walk off yeah. that, 
gr- when you walk off that green, what do you ha- can you can you remember what your mindset was as you kind of walked from sixteen green to seventeen tee? Yeah, well, I mean, I was now in a position where I kind of had I knew the guy that had been on eleven had just three putted eighteen, so he yeah. he was back to ten. So um, the one problem I had was I didn't know what Will Zalatoris was in front, who was I think. He was ten going up fifteen, and you know, as I said, there were quite a couple. There were a couple birdie opportunities coming down the last few. So I wasn't. He's such a good player, especially at the moment. I wasn't certain that he was still at ten. I was thinking that he's more likely than not at eleven. Um, so seventeen, they'd pushed the tee way up, and and I was thinking, you know, what, I've probably still got to make one birdie in the um, here to. To win this outright, uh, I had a shot up the green and, and managed to two putt. And uh, on the back of 17, uh, an official walking told me that I was one in front because Will had just three putted. So, oh, so then you stick your second Mate, if shot I'd known in you the had pot. your phone, I could have. <laughs> if I'd have known you had your phone, I would have texted you and told you. <laughs> yeah, well, I was. I mean, like. I was so zoned in that I, I hadn't looked at my phone all week um, on the golf course, even though we're allowed to. I just uh, was in this week to me was like it's. I said to myself, "It's all on me. I'm not going to let anyone beat me this week." Um, so if I can get to the end of 72 holes and say I, I gave it my all and I didn't win, then uh, yeah, I uh, so, that's all I could do. So just take us through 18, mate. Just take us through the up and down because it was clutch. And it was difficult. There was nothing easy about that. There's nothing easy about that, and yet you managed to do it. Just take us through your your kind of your thoughts as you approach the bunker and you know, the last two shots of your tour. Yeah, eighteen's a crazy uh, a crazy hole. It's probably the worst hole on the golf course. It's a really sharp dogleg um, with really big trees on the inside of the dogleg, and you kind of kind of have to get lucky to, unless you hit it really long you kind of have to get lucky to uh to hit one in the fairway there because the being able to carry the trees but stop it before it goes through is like it's super difficult so i took on a pretty strong line for me on sunday and i just clipped a tree and it, it ricocheted out onto the fairway uh but it was i had miles in like i way further than you would usually on that hole um, unfortunately, I didn't hit a good iron shot, which I was just trying to hit middle of green. But the, I left myself in the worst spot on the hole. Um, and Cameron Young was has hit this drive that was just position A, pretty easy up and down, to be fair, um, from 40 yards. So I was thinking, you know, if I make par, I'm probably going into a playoff. If I uh, make bogey here, I'm, I'm done. So... As I walked up to the bunker, I saw that I was just out of my like pitch mark in the bunker, so that was fortunate. Um, obviously, extremely short-sighted. I got to have a look at Cam's putt, which kind of changed my mind a little bit before I uh, I hit the putt. He pitched uh, before I hit the bunker shot. He pitched one up to about seven feet left, and I could see there was quite a big slider. And not many people like seven foot left to right sliders to win golf tournaments. So I kind of said to my caddy, being out of position, I said, we've just got to get this somewhere up there, make sure we don't get too fiddly. And 
um, and roll in a putt and put all the pressure back in, on him. You know, that's that's the only thing we can do. Um, in my mind, I decided that, you know, if I didn't make up and down, he probably almost certainly makes that putt and, and wins outright. So it was super clear what I had to do. Uh, got in there, actually hit a way better bunker shot um, than realistically I was trying to. You know, I was thinking if I had inside 15 feet, I was doing good, and I managed to hit it to like seven and a half feet. So all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is this is a real green light. Like, we can do this. Rolled in the part after looking at it for minutes. Um, and, yeah, I mean, as I said, it wasn't an easy putt to, to tie for time. And he actually, I, I thought he hit a really good putt. Um, so, yeah, as I said, maybe there was a bit of luck to come away with the victory in the end. So just going back to that putt, mate, because that's awesome how you've just explained that and when what you said about your emotions earlier as well. You don't get as animated as you did after that putt. I mean, that's a curling little testing putt you had and you knew the ramifications. We could see it all. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really interesting one. Um, as I said earlier, my putting's kind of always stuck with me in my short game. So the, it felt like I was looking at that putt for 10 minutes, but I wasn't. And I just constantly was telling myself, you know, like you're, you're proving that you're one of the best putters out here or one of the best putters. Like if anyone's making this putt, you are. Um, I was nervous. I was breathing really heavy. My hands were kind of shaking on the club, which is never ideal. Um, but I just, yeah, in my mind, as I was walking into that part, I kept telling myself, like, you're going to give this one a great run regardless. So, you know, there's no reason why you're not the person that makes this part at the end of the week. Um, and that, that sort of thought process gave me a chance to just take a deep breath before I pulled the trigger and, and settle down. Curtis, you've been so generous with your time with us in the past few years. I really couldn't tell you how much that means to us all. And you've always said, you know, it's a process and, you know, you don't get caught up in the minutiae of a specific little moment or whatever. But to hear you just say what you just said was just oh, so, yeah. like it sent a shiver up my spine knowing what it meant to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, golf's a, a crazy game. I mean, it's uh, it, it really drives you up the wall 95% of the time, probably more. Um, <laughs> there are definitely times in this last year or two where, you know, like I've been on the verge of tears playing golf because it's just so frustrating, um, especially when you know you've done things a certain way before and it feels like you can't do them. So to be in a position where... I know I'm getting closer to what I want to be, but I'm not, at the same time, I'm not even, like, close. <laughs> and and pull off a win on a, on a tough golf course, like, it's huge because it says to me there's, there's no reason why, you know, in these next 12 months or so I can progress even further and, uh, and really, like, lock up that tour card and be ready to, to compete on the PGA Tour. Awesome. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm thrilled it's to hear you say all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I said earlier to Andy before you joined us, mate, that and this only has to be like a small percentage of your overall emotions and thoughts, and especially at the critical time, I get that. 
But to have watched your, you know, your, your great mate Ryan Ruffles and Brad Coletta get so close on occasion this year in particular, was there that little extra A incentive but B fear that you know might just uh, you know a bit of bad luck might strike another Aussie? Um, yeah, no, it's funny. Like, I, uh, I gotta be honest, like, it's a, it's a funny topic because I really don't believe in bad luck for the most part. Um, as I said, like, I, I kind of spoke to multiple people on the phone this week and I said, I'm not going to let this happen. This is the, the first time in my life where I said, I'm just, I'm going to let. I'm going to flat out beat everyone here. Um, as I said, obviously when, when things are going really good, um, that's an easy attitude to have, but things haven't been going really good. So it was, I look back on it now and I'm like kind of surprised at why I was like that. And I can't really answer that. Um, but you know, I told my dad after round one, I was like, I'm definitely going to win this. Um, I spoke to my really good friends, Hank Lebiota and, and his wife, Mary, like after round two when I was leading and I, I said, I'm going to win this. Um, I just had this mindset that no one was going to take it off me this week. And um, one thing that's been absolutely phenomenal to watch uh, from the sidelines is, is Ryan, like rebooting his career. Um, obviously he went through some really tough times, uh, 12 months, a year ago, however long it was, um, and he's just like turned his whole uh, perception and and golf game around, and that to be able to witness that firsthand has been like truly inspiring. Well, I hope you realise how much we get from a long way away. Um, we being golf fans back here in Australia, you know, we know the established names at the top of the tree in the men's and the women's game, but. You know, what we get from watching all of those young blokes that you've mentioned, but, you know, Minji and Hannah and Gabby and Steph and all all you young Australians, all the young you know, men and women who are um, taking this game on, and it's as difficult a game uh, as there is in the world to get to where you want to be. The depth is so strong around the world. Uh, we all have an understanding of how difficult it is to realise your own personal dreams and ambitions. But the job you guys are doing, um, you know, as a collective is, is inspirational. We love it. It keeps us mm. coming back week in, week out and uh, having a chat on this show with unbelievable enthusiasm, Curtis. So, you know, what you, what you are all doing as a collective is, is brilliant, mate. So keep going. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned the Lebiotas. Um, have they hung that photo? Mm. Did, the, did they stick that up on the wall? Is that pride of <laughs> place in their house somewhere or not? <laughs> I actually haven't. I've texted them, but I haven't spoken to them yet on the phone. So, but I, I'm sure it has. I'm sure it's waiting for me when I get to visit them when I'm back in Orlando. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just find their social media uh, contributions. It's yeah, I know. I, like, how I, old, I, I know. Exactly how old were you? Yeah, how old were you when they? You take, look like you're about 15 or something. 15, 16. That's great. They've got a frame photo <laughs> yeah. of Curtis like they found from somewhere. They stuck it in a frame and uh, they announced to Curtis in the world that they're going to stick that up on the wall somewhere after his win on the weekend. So that was good stuff. So, I've got two more things for you, Curtis. Um, yeah. One is, uh, well, do you want to do the serious one or the, or the not-so-serious one? Your call. 
Uh, I mean, I'll go the, the serious. All right, the serious one is you've all but got your first berth into a US Open in a few weeks' time oh, um, as a result of your heroics, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, well done. Does that spur you on? Does it make you nervous? Does it just get you more excited for what lies ahead? What's the What's the thoughts there? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the the chance of playing the US Open is fantastic. Um, it'll be really, super interesting to see how this game that I've obviously talked about so much holds up because, as I said, I, I know the facts. I know it's not quite there yet. So it'll be uh, it'll be really interesting to see how it goes. Um, you know, it might just come down to me narrowing my focus a little bit more and, and playing very, very smart. Uh, but you know what, like this will be my second major if I get into it, which is super exciting. Wingfoot, New York, very famous venue. Um, at the end of the day, I'm just going to make the most of the experience. It's all experience. Um, each event that I get to play, especially of that status, just, just adds to me being a, a more well-rounded, you know, player and person, um, so I just got to look at it as a, a chance to, to get out there and, you know, see how I can go on a difficult golf course. Now, the second question for me is uh, the less serious nature. But, I, you know, you're a quality social media player and we learn a little bit about your garden that you've got going on back in the Florida base. And I just want to know what impact you and Ryan out there trying to do your best Alan Seal impersonation, I suppose, is, uh, is having on your golf. <laughs> I don't, do I even know who that is? <laughs> of course you don't know who Alan Seal is. My, my, I'm only just aware of who Alan Seal is, and I'm about 30 years older than you. <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, Hayes. A gardener at the moment. Google him. I think you got confused when you said... I think you, I think you got confused when you asked me which was the tough question and the easy question. <laughs> <laughs> do a Google search, mate. Hey, um, well done. Great. You've been real, as Hazy said before, super generous with your time. We always appreciate it. I'm sure everybody listening to the show does as well, mate. Thanks again. Good luck with everything that lies in front of you in the short term and, uh, and, and beyond. Um, we we congratulate, you, and congratulate you again on what you're able to achieve on the weekend. Thanks for being part of it. <laughs> Thanks so much, fellas. Really appreciate it. Thanks for looking out. Good man. Curtis Luck good man. joining Thanks, us Curtis. on Inside the Ropes. Uh, we'll, Minji Lee is going to join. Hazy, you caught up with Minji a bit early. She's going to join us with that chat on the other side of the break. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes and it is our pleasure, as always, to welcome our next guest. One of our favourites here, a regular on Inside the Ropes, Minji Lee. Welcome back. You're... Uh, I'm not sure what shape your body clocks in, but you, you certainly had us up all weekend at the Women's British Open. Well well played. Thank you. I'm now back in the States, <laughs> um, just getting ready for my next event um, in Arkansas. So I'm a little bit all over the place, but um, not too bad. So tell us a bit about that, Minji, because you presumably left Ohio in the, in the bubble um, that the LPGA flew over to Scotland in and then and then came straight back. I assume they're chartered flights, are they? Yeah, they were both charter flights. Um, it was pretty easy travel for us. Um, I think we were really lucky with them keeping us um, safe in the bubble. So, yep, we just flew um, on two charter flights. 
So, so did you leave on Monday morning? Did you have a, a Sunday night to sort of party and celebrate what you did or is that sort of not on the go at the moment either? Um, no. I was like trying to get a beer, but the, um, <laughs> they told me that they weren't selling any alcohol, so <laughs> I just opted for a Dyke Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What a way to celebrate. I can't believe it. That's, that's our life at the moment, um, so... <laughs> Yeah, but by the same token, and that's not obviously not what you wanted to be doing, but by the same token, it's fantastic that it seems like a really safe place that the LPGA has created around uh, around all the girls in the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first couple of weeks, we weren't really sure what sort of like the protocols were going to be like. So um, now that we've kind of done four weeks, um, I think we sort of come into a routine now and we sort of know when to get tested and when our results will come back and um, just around being safe and um, they all provide us with masks and like sanitizer and stuff like that. So I think we're um, going in the right direction to keeping everybody safe and clean at this t- point in time. So I promise I'll ask you questions about the tournament in a minute, but I'm fascinated. Did You, you obviously had your caddy Jason there who's um, you know along for the ride with you every week. Was anyone else around your own little bubble once you left the course you could be associated with or was it just Jason? No, just Jason. We actually, well, the last two weeks when we were in the UK, we weren't allowed anybody, um, like, coming with us. So it was just, like, your caddy and you could only ride in the car. Um, And, like, we we weren't allowed to, like, stay with a roommate if you did have a roommate or it was just, um, it was strictly just you. Um, So... I think that's just with the government rules and stuff like that. But I think you are allowed to have like like essential personnel when if you if you absolutely need it. Okay. Yeah, I noticed uh, Inby Park's husband on the bag. I know that's probably not the common occurrence with Brad Beecher normally doing that role, but it seemed funny to see uh, yeah. Inby Park sort of affectionate with her with her caddy, and everyone else is sort of distant from everyone else. It was quite funny. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, um, so back to, to the tournament, Minji. I mean, I, I'm not going to paint any picture other than you had me glued to my television for four nights. Uh, I'm just recovering on the sleep front now. It was in- incredible. It had me glued. I'd say that not only yourself, but the tournament had me glued 100% just like it would the, the, the men's version of the Open Championship. It, it must have been a great feel despite the lack of crowds to, to you know to be playing in such a I think a really emerging tournament. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, just the AIG and the Randa, they did. They went to lengths for us to be able to go to the UK and and play those um, those events. So just um, it's a great a huge thank you to them. But yeah, just to be able to play at Troon, I don't think they've had a women's championship of any kind there before. So. Um, just to play at such a historic place, I think, was special for everybody. And just the track itself is um, is really fun, actually. Um, very, it's just a true Lynx golf course, and it's just really dictated by what which way the wind blows and just like the conditions. So I think it's just a it was a true test of Lynx golf, and just um, I just had a whole lot of fun playing that place. Yeah, it looked it looked like you were having a lot of fun the whole week. Um... 
Let's start, let's start on the Thursday and the Friday. I mean, the, the Thursday was crazy wind, and then you just threw in the spanner of a bit of rain on Friday. Are they some of the hardest conditions you've played in? Just brutal Scottish weather? Yeah, definitely. I think Turnbury, um, when we played there, was pretty rough as well. But I think in terms of wind and in terms of the wind, it, it was definitely tougher here at Troon um, because, like, the first, like, nine holes you go straight into the into the wind um and then the other nine you go like sort of downwind left to right so it's just a tough like back front and back nine so um just very challenging in that perspective um but yeah probably the two the first two days was one of the most brutal probably wins that i played in yeah did did you find that your upbringing playing on you know the Perth courses Royal Fremantle and some of the other I guess more coastal courses there is beneficial when it comes to that sort of uh, scenario overseas uh to be honest I mean maybe in terms of like the wind you can sort of hit like lower shots and sort of control your ball flight a little bit but I think just with like the conditions of the actual golf course and maybe just the look of like the links is like totally different so I would say that it's definitely an adjustment um, just because it's like much more hard surface that you have to play off. Um, a little bit different to like the coastal, you know, the coastal courses that we get. Yeah. All right, let's get down to tin tacks here. You, you, you had a, a nice round in the trying conditions on round one, but a, a really good flurry towards the end of round two sort of put you, you know, right in the mix again. Um, round three and round four, I want to, I've watched you play a lot, Minji, and I want to say that's some of the best golf I've seen you play. Uh, just how would you rate it? And, and could you believe that some of those parts, especially in the third round, were sort of skimming the hole? That could have been anything. Oh, uh, yeah. I was probably a little disappointed that not a couple more fell. But, uh, you know, what can you do? It's kind of a little bit tougher to read. Um, just like links, golf course screens for... Um, I mean, I, I felt like I hit really good putts, but they, it was just not my time. So, I mean, you can't really do anything about it, but, you know, a little disappointment there. There's some damage to my television set, Minji, from the third round. I couldn't believe it. I was throwing things around when they wouldn't drop in. <laughs> I'm sure you saw some of my expressions after I hit those putts. <laughs> I, I did. I couldn't believe it, actually. And I thought, I thought if you were a different person, it would have... Uh, you know, because you're pretty mellow and calm uh, outwardly. It, <laughs> yeah. I think a lesser, a, lesser, a lesser person would have really cracked it because a couple of those late, especially on the, I'm going to guess and say the 17th and 18th holes, it might have been the 16th. Yeah, the, the definitely the, slow speed the 17th hole. Yeah, that one had a huge, the, lip, the huge lip out off the right. Yeah, that one was on <laughs> yes. the 17th hole. I was, I'm still devastated. I can't believe it. Anyway, you you, you put yourself <laughs> through into the into the final round in a good position, and um, by the way the LPGA does its draws, that puts you into the group with Sophia Popov. Did you think at the start mm-hmm. of the round um, that if you could put some pressure on early, or that she so showed some signs of um, fragility, maybe that you might be able to run her down, or at least you or Jasmine Sawanapura would be able to run her down? Um, I think. The, like the conditions were perfect. Like there was like not probably not a breath of wind. Like it was just just perfect playing conditions. I mean, totally opposite to the first couple of days that we played. So 
I mean, if you didn't really hit it too wide, I, I don't think you can really score too, I mean, like, really shoot out, I guess. Um, but if there was some wind, I think it might have, like, rattled her a little bit. But Sophia just played amazing. I, I mean, I don't think anybody could have won except for her that day. So um, just kudos to her. She just did an amazing job and got it done. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because she, she is... That, that round that she played was one of the great rounds in, in terms of um, just composure and, and ability to block out everything that's happening around. I mean, her, she hasn't got a card. She doesn't belong on that tour yet. She's never won a major championship. She's never even contended in a major championship. She hasn't played an Open for eight years. How do you think she actually, mm-hmm. like watching it up close and personal, how do you think she managed to do all that? Um, I think she seems pretty... Um... I'm sure there was some nerves there just being, a, you know, like a a major championship on a final day. But I feel like she was pretty, like, relaxed. I mean, her boyfriend was on the bag and she was pretty chatty the whole round. So I, yeah, just after that opening bogey, she pretty much just birdied her way in and just played smart. So she just played like a, tr- just like a major champion, champion would on a final round, you know. Like, I didn't really see her making any mistakes. So, yeah, when when it looked like she was going to make a bogey, she would make a make a putt, and she made par and kept going with her momentum. So, she just really played good. Do you think it sort of says, Minji, the depth of the women's game is really growing, like, astronomically? Because, you know, the, she was ranked 304th in the world. Very few people had heard of her, uh, and yet she's still got mm-hmm. the capacity to play that well. Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, I played with her probably on the European tour when she played Europe a little bit and when I was probably an M. So, I mean, she's been around for a while. She's played in Symmetra tour events and LPGA tour events. I mean, I'm sure she's had some experience um, over the past probably six, seven years. And I think everybody's capable. I mean, she just kept with it and even with some of the health issues she's had um, over the past, she said she's never given she's never given up, and she just kept at it. So, just I think she's true inspiration to all the girls out there. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I thought she was fantastic, and the way she was so open and honest in her all her interviews after the rounds, I thought it was fantastic to watch mm-hmm. her. Um, obviously, it was disappointing from our perspective not to, not to see you in the winners. It, it took a <laughs> a monumental achievement to to keep you out of it. Let's just talk about you and just briefly with the major championships. I mean, uh, there was only um, Lydia Ko in the top dozen or so who'd had a major in the, uh, after the third round where the leaderboard showed there was only one major winner and everyone sort of looked to you. Is that a pressure that you feel or it doesn't bother you or what's your reaction after the fact? Um, You know, I am pretty relaxed. I'm, like, I don't really feel too much pressure. So, you know, to be honest, it, it wasn't even in the back of my mind, like, that people were looking at me. Like, I only saw it as support um, on, like, social media and stuff. So I didn't really think of it that way, to be honest. Yeah. Do you read all the stuff that we put on social media and, <laughs> and the coverage of the tournament? Do you, do you take that all in? Yeah, I actually um, quite enjoy that. I, I find it sometimes quite funny and I just 
like the way you guys <laughs> describe some of the things. So, no, I just I just find it very enjoying for me to read it after my round and stuff. Okay, well, I want to put one more thing from social media on your table to get your reaction. That's one of your dear friends okay. at Golf Australia, Justin, Fel- Just- Justin Falconer, who on Monday morning, um, I guess in a little bit of mourning <laughs> that we didn't quite get you over the line, he put out a Minji Lee appreciation post, and it says, third, fourth, 16th, third in the four, in the four events back, plus four through six holes at Troon, then minus eight the next 65 holes, three bogeys only in that stretch, only player with three rounds in the 60s, just four others had two in the 60s, continues to be a legend. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> That's so nice. Uh. Nobody, nobody <laughs> else has given me an appreci- appreciation post. So thanks, Justin. <laughs> oh. Oh, he'll, he'll love hearing that. Now we just, I, I will say, Minji, it's hard not to. Um, it's, it's hard not to, um, you know, get caught up in the emotion of what, watching and wanting you to win, but. You did such a great job. I can't believe, to be honest, how stoic you are in the, in, or just normal, how shots, good or bad, you know, from yourself or others, don't seem to phase you at all. And I, I, I think it's a matter of time, from my perspective, until you stand on that uh, the top dais after a major championship. So well played again, mate. Thank you. Um, and Thank you. It'll be we, my we, time soon. Really, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be your time. We've got a busy schedule coming up too, and. Um, the the major championships ahead. Um, is there a special focus on them, or is it just tournament after tournament? Because you've still got the A and A and the U.S. Women's Open, of course, the Tour Championship to end the to end the year as well with the U.S. Open. Um, yeah, definitely. the 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 majors are always a big focus for me, and they have been for a couple of years now. And um, yeah, I definitely want to have have good results in the majors and. Hopefully, I can be in contention in a couple more of them um, finishing the year. Well, how about we make a plan, Minji? When you win the U.S. Women's Open in Texas, your sort of second adopted home, that we get on the phone and celebrate with Justin then? (laughs) It's a deal. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Minji Lee joining us here. We really appreciate your time, as always, Minji. Thanks so much. Thank you. Minji Lee joining us on Inside the Ropes. More after the break. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Oh, we're in good hands, I reckon. You know, the Lux and the Lees and the rest of them around there flying the flag. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to two of the real bright young stars of Australian golf on the show today. Uh, a couple of other bits. We, we touched on Dustin Johnson in the um, opening segment were you were you more excited about what he did and amazed by the numbers that he was churning out, or were you more? Well, give me your reaction to what you were seeing him produce in the Northern Trust. Um, I, I I haven't got a definitive answer, any which is yeah, unlike me, yeah. I suppose. But I think that points probably to what I'm really thinking. I I don't think that Dustin Johnson necessarily has the world's best golfer's game when all the whips are cracking. Mm. Um, I've mentioned that before and I've, it's bit me on the, you know, bit me hard a couple of times. Um, it's been proven right a couple of times in major championships, particularly US Opens. But this is a field that had pretty much, this is, that might've been the strongest field all year that we're going mm. to see, to be honest. Um, so you got to give it credit um, for what he's done. And, that's the lowest score on tour ever outside Hawaii. 
So um, you've got to give that credit. And I don't know, Andy, I just, I, I have a hard time and it was amplified for me with the Women's Open being so epic as you just heard Minji Lee saying about Troon mm. uh, a few minutes ago. I, I had a hard time firing myself up for Boston and had it not been for Cam Davis, who we haven't mentioned yet, that might have even been a bigger struggle. So I, I, I take my hat off. He's the new world number one again. Um, we've had so many changes at the top of the world rankings this year, but mm. 30 under is just so unthinkable. There's got to be kudos given, but there's got to be questions asked all at the same time. I don't know the he answer. Just, I don't, I'm, there's better readers of stats than me, but he didn't drive it that great. Like his tee to green shots gained on the field was ridiculous in the end. I mean, he had 18 plus shots gained on the field, tee to green, but his driving accuracy across the four days was just about 68%. But his greens in regulations is over 90%. He didn't miss a green on the Sunday. He hits it so close to the green. You don't care where he hits it. He just hits it so close to the green that with his 14 wedges in his bag, well, clearly he hasn't got 14, but <laughs> with his seven or eight wedges in his bag, he can he can he trusts himself to be able to get it on the putting surface from anywhere within 100 yards. So just get it close and, and let me do the, let my wedges do the rest. Um, it is crazy, and he didn't putt it great either. Like his um, his his putting numbers weren't ex- off the charts in terms of. Putts he was holding. So it's just the proximity to the green off the tee. Uh, and when he can overpower a course like that, um, and, and there's not real punishment for missing fairways, um, you know, he's, he's almost, well, he's in it. That's when Dustin Johnson comes into his own. So, so four Australians get through. Davis Day, Scott Leishman, who's struggling a bit at the moment, Leish, but they get through. The two cams... Smith was our best in the end. Davis shoots 72-73 over the weekend. Hopefully he'll look at the first two rounds rather than dwell on the last two and go, you know what, clearly my best mixes it with the best in the world now. He, he didn't finish it the way he wanted to. We all know that. But boy, oh boy, his first two rounds are pretty impressive. Well, the first one was you know off the charts and could have been even better. And the second one mm. was solid given that he... Um, woken up and seen his name above the best field for the year. Um, so credit for both of them, obviously. Um, the third round, you know, wasn't anything to write home about, but I'm sure that the mental nature, the taxing mental nature of that lofty position that he'd held for 48 hours was, was the prime factor there, Andy. I just, you know, he's mentioned to us himself He's just starting to feel a bit more comfortable. And I think, it, mm. you know, that lasted at the top tier. We've seen him do really well at the lesser of the PGA Tour events, if I'm being completely honest. Yep. Um, yep. And then we've seen him now take a step up to be at the absolute upper echelon of these tournaments, um, do well for 36 holes. Um, the next step is to, to do that, obviously, for 54 and 72. So I'm sure it's coming. He's, um, you know, you, you don't shoot... Uh, crazy low numbers on the PGA Tour without having some sort of game, and that's deference to both him and Dustin Johnson. I don't want to sound um, rude to Dustin Johnson. I just no, 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 I, no, I just no, take, no, no. Not... no it's, it, what he did was remarkable, truly statistically remarkable uh, from a numbers perspective. But whether that's is a good go... for the, you know, who knows? It's... How would you go if you were Harris English? Just it just you wake up, oh. you're Harris English on Monday morning. You've just probably played. I haven't got the stats on him, but I would imagine that 19 under would have to be one of, if not the best cumulative scores over 72 holes that he's ever played. And yep. he's had his butt handed to him by 11 shots. Yep. 
Yeah, ridiculous. So let me ask you another question. Hawthorne gets through to the preliminary final one year, and they say, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to we're going to we're going to just walk. We're, we're not going to turn up this week. We're, we're going to miss the prelim, and we'll just see you in the grand final. Like, if that's okay with everybody, no need to play this week. Uh, I'll, we, we'll, we'll just go and walk through to the grand final. I know we shouldn't make a mockery of the whole playoff system because of the actions of one bloke, but but Webb Simpson being able to take this week off to get himself ready for the Tour Championship, if you want playoffs to be fair dinkum and have some drama to them and a bit of meaning each week, I think it should be incumbent that important that the players who are in them have to turn up and and. Do something to get through the next week. It, 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 he's, he's, he's allowed to do what he's doing because of as a beneficiary of his performances to this point. We understand the numbers. But it, the, the FedEx Cup playoff thing is just not working. At no turn of the wheel has this thing ever, ever, and we've spoken about this for years now, never has it created any sense of drama or... Um, Drum, just leave it at drum. It creates no sense of drama. This thing, it, it's just it's a flawed concept. Done work. This is normally the the week of the year, Andy, when you use the word construct. That's well. That's yeah. I wish I had it. I'm probably sick of using it to be honest. But you know what? I mean, it's it, it's no, true, it, isn't it? I mean, we, oh yeah. You know, I mean, and this is it, an unusual uh, year. It's a, it is, but you know, it it points to the fact that the PGA Tour is about. The rich getting richer, um, yep. and you know Webb Simpson's had an immaculate year, like a really impressive year, and he's, I guess, in some respects, earned the right to do that. But when you're trying to pitch the PGA Tour and golf more broadly as a rival to the NBA or the NHL or Major League Baseball, mm. and yep. this, don't yep. forget, this is why it's in this period it's before the NFL because it doesn't throw a punch against the NFL in terms of importance in the US psyche. Um, you need to produce something that's going to hold people's attention. And clearly, when you can have one of the top 10 players in the world just go, nah, then it sort of diminishes the product. It does. It really does. Uh, mate, we're going to get a wriggle on here and get out of this joint. We've gone way over time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Anything yeah. quickly to finish on? A couple, yeah, a couple of things, Andy. I'll, yep. I'll more on, on how to catch those webinars that we mentioned last week with oh, Justin yep, yep. Falconer. Um, but they're up now, I think. If you search the Golf Australia website for the webinars, you'll see his and a lot of others as well. Um, I'll bring you more details next week. I'm sorry, it's a bit of a manic morning for us this morning. I haven't got all the details in front of me. Um, I want to make strong mention of our new chief executive officer. Oh, of course Um, we should do that. Good man. (laughs) Might keep me in a job a couple of weeks longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We announced announced earlier this week that, um, that James Sutherland, uh, who's most notably of Cricket Australia fame, um, a former Sheffield Shield winning uh, player as well uh, on the cricket side of things. But he's a he's the new Chief Executive Officer of Golf Australia starting in the first week of October, all things being equal. And um, I think that's going to be a, a, a great thing for Australian golf, not just Golf Australia. So he, he brings uh, a wealth of contacts and experience and um a large focus on um, equality and and achieving things across broad spectrum of the game, not necessarily just the high end of town. So, um, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to that. He's got a lot of runs on the board, pardon the pun, at cricket. And, um, yep. you know, to bring his experience to bear in golf should be a, a huge benefit for the game. 
Hugh here, I'm sure, will be up for a chat on this uh, on this podcast and this radio show um, as soon as he gets his feet under the desk. So, um, yeah, it's yeah be, he has, it'll he's, be... He's committed himself to coming on in about a month or so's time when we, ah, terrific. or Good. six weeks' time when he's, when he's got his feet under the desk. And you mentioned a name before, Andy, I just wanted to touch on. Um, just last thing, um, Steph Kiriakou. Uh, yeah. We haven't really touched much on her, but bloody hell. What a great, it's a great, great achievement. It's a great This effort. is a, a teenage Sydney sider who's playing her third professional tournament, or third tournament as a professional, I should say. Um, unbelievable that she could get through four rounds at the Women's Open at Troon in brutal conditions with no, virtually no lead-up exposure at all. Um, just, I hope she's listening. Massive golf clap to Steph Kiriakou. I don't think, I think that story, with all the other heroics that went on, got swept under the carpet a little bit, but that's just unbelievable. First major, third tournament as a pro, makes the cut, goes the distance, and showed some real ticker out there. Really impressive. Great, great way to finish the show. Uh, as we've said a few times over the journey, the youngsters are really—they're um, an exciting crop coming through, and they're all worth keeping tabs on. We'll try and keep you across them all on the show. Uh, good work by you getting hold of Minji. Well done for harassing Curtis into coming on the show. It was great to hear from both of them, both fantastic young players. Um, that's it. We're done. Thanks for being part of it. Uh, episode one seventy-eight done and dusted. We'll see you same time next week for Inside the Ropes. <laughs>